This is In Blue, a reptile podcast where we talk to some of your favorite reptile keepers, hoping to find out what they just can't live without. We want to bring you closer to some amazing people sharing their stories and experiences about life and the animals they love. Join us as we go deep in blue to shed what we know and gain a fresh new perspective about reptiles and their keepers. This is Heidi. And this is Rachel. And this is our first In Blue podcast. Please welcome our guest, Justin Kabelko with Canova. Hey guys. Hey Hi, Justin. Justin. Excited to be here. We're excited it's, to have you. I was like, this is Thank really exciting. <laughs> sure so, so, Justin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, that's a big, uh, that's a big ask. Um, I'm best known for breeding ball pythons in this industry. And although I still think of myself as a newcomer, I realize that people don't see me that way anymore and that I'm an old, old hand at this now. And uh, it's been, it's been an amazing journey. So um, I guess tell us a little bit about how you got started in reptiles. Like, yeah, I know a lot of people have heard these stories, but <laughs> sure. Well, so like most of us, we, uh, it's like one of those things where you start, you strikes as a kid, you know, you realize so at some point that, that you're the, the one kid who's not afraid of the creepy crawlies and, uh, and, and all your friends think you're weird for, for liking snakes and picking up turtles off the road and touching tarantulas. And that was so me. Um, my parents were deathly afraid of, especially snakes, but most of all those like weird animals parents were scared to death of them and for me that was always like it's a it's just a cool way for me to show that that i was like not i mean if, if adults were scared of them and i'm not i'm cooler than an adult you know so, i mean it's a yeah. cool way for me to be counterculture a little bit and everything so i always loved snakes um, when i got into high school i went to boarding school in high school and i took over an entire empty dorm room and just filled it full of all the animals I could find all the, you know, in cages. And I got my first boa constrictor and Burmese Python and all that stuff. And it just became a lifelong obsession for me that at some point in college, I'm like, wait, you know, it was actually Ralph Davis who, who inspired me. Like I started following Ralph's blog. And I'm like, wow, people can actually make money doing this. You know, that's, that's what the internet did. It showed us that there's other ones like us and some of them, had found a way to make it their job. So that, uh, that's what, you know, really took off based on that. Just, I, I never would have never even knew this was possible, but it's been an incredible journey all along the way. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love that you had a whole room to put stuff in already. Yeah. It was yeah. like a secret dorm room. <laughs> like that's awesome. I, I spent a year in Africa between high school and college, um, in Benin actually where ball pythons are from. But nice. at the time, I mean, ball pythons were just another snake to me at the time. Like they weren't, I didn't know that they would become my livelihood someday. Um, and so I saw them in the wild and I thought, oh, it's a ball python. They live underground. They're not cool, you know. And, uh, but then when I came back to college, I started collecting snakes a little bit more and I started hiding them in my dorm room in college. And <laughs> it was not allowed. We were only allowed to have fish. But I was, I actually hatched my first clutch of snake eggs. They were Sinaloan um, milk snakes. Nice. I hatched them there That's under cool. my bed in the dorm room, and I eventually got caught. I had 14 
snakes in the room and we would hide the best we could whenever they do room searches but at some point mm -hmm. it was too many and the college to its credit was super cool about it because although it was illegal and they're like well you gotta take the, you gotta get the snakes out of here the biology department of course all the teachers were talking about the weird student who had 14 snakes in his room the biology professor reached out to me i'd never talked to him before and he goes hey i heard about you we have a room in the biology department. If you want to move all your snakes into that room, you can just keep doing what you're doing in the biology department. And we'll oh, give wow. you round the clock access and everything. That's and, uh, really cool. I was like, that's yeah, so cool. Yeah, it was super cool. <laughs> wow. It was super cool. So I spent yeah. my last two years, my snakes were all in the biology department and I was breeding their rodents, you know, to feed, to feed the snakes. And I had my first clutch of all pythons there in the, uh, in that room. So it's kind of cool because like, I mean, I have a marketing degree, but it's, it's the part that the college gave me for free, you know, just as the courtesy, you know, became my career. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's really awesome. awesome. Yeah. So I have to ask, so, what was the first clutch of all pythons? Normals. Normals. That's Normal awesome. pastels actually. Yeah. 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 Um, it was a, actually take it back. It was normals. So it was, it was a, I got scammed my first clutch of ball pythons. I didn't even breed them myself. I actually bought, I had this guy who said he was on King snake and he said, I have, I'm selling adult female head pies, which at the time that was like impossible to find, you know, just anything pie related. And, uh, I called him up and I was just probably 20, 21, very gullible, very gullible. And he, he gave me all the red flags and all the warning signs and I didn't <laughs> catch any of them. And eventually I paid him $4,000 for two adult female het pies that um, were supposedly gravid when he sent them to me. Oh, I read them to my pie to mail and I'm just going to send them now that they're gravid. Like who would do that? That's the first big warning. Like who would do yeah. that, right? Yeah. Nobody does that. <laughs> so he literally sent me these two females. They came full of mites. They're clearly straight out of the wild. Were they still females? The they were females and they were well, gravid. That's pretty good. Yes, but they were like full of mites, full of ticks, uh, like directly out of the wild. And they had the personality of straight out of the wild too. Wow. And um, that was interesting because we, I literally got them and the first one laid eggs like three days after it arrived via FedEx. It just shows you how tolerant they are being Holy messed with. Cow. Like she was literally wow. shipped right about to lay, laid a good clutch of eggs. And that was my first clutch I ever hatched was right there. And they're, of course, not pieds. Like, they're supposed to be pieds, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that was my, I got scanned for my first purchase. He's a good, I got that lesson out of the way early. That's okay. good. It happened quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what was Africa like? Africa was cool. It was a weird thing for me. It was a weird point in my life. Um, I was, like, right in between high school and college. I was eight, 18 and 19. I was there for almost 11 months. And literally I went with like a mission agency, but it was one of those really hardcore ones. It wasn't like go out there with a bunch of your friends and no, they literally put me out in a village, um, just way out in the bush. And I was sleeping in a hut, eating whatever the natives were eating and just living with them. And my, my goal was to like help them in some way, you know, really, but I spent about six months learning the language going from zero to learning to, you know, talk to them. And, and then the next month, six months, I just spent trying to stay alive. And by, by the time I came home, I was just finally getting a little bit comfortable and I came home, but oh, wow. it was a cool wow. experience still. It <laughs> taught me a lot about life cool. and just, 
learning how learning what happiness is about because when you go out there and you experience living like they live and you think there's no way they could be happy like they're the happiest people yeah they're totally yeah absolutely they're not they're not following their friends on instagram and they're not jealous of anybody you know they they uh they literally have very 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 little and yet they're very content with what they have you know they just need their needs met and and they have amazing families and dynamic lives and once you experience that you realize that we kind of have it backwards in a lot of ways in western society as far as trying to chase chase that happiness through things and through you know yeah we definitely agree with that yes yeah. so good lesson to get out of the way early yeah so um what's one thing that most people don't know about you like stuff that's not already on youtube um I don't know what people don't know. Um, I, I think people think I'm really, really straight laced, generally speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the biggest rumor that it kind of goes around and maybe compared to a lot of people I am, but I don't see myself that way, of course. Um, I just grew up a really, really ultra conservative Christian, like really nailed down environment. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like Benjamin Button. I get younger as I've gotten older. I, I was a serious, serious baby and a serious young person. And my wife says that when I met her, I was already an old man. And yep. and I've loosened up every year. I loosen up a little bit and, and as I've had kids and, and uh, I think, I think now, uh, yeah, it's just that uh, people people have gotten to know me through that that old old Justin coming in as an old man and uh, being very serious about this, and I've loosened up a lot. So, yeah, I think when yeah. I first met you, you were a lot more serious. Like it, it would, I, <laughs> I think you seemed. I I definitely see that you're a lot more laid back now. So yeah, I think all I think too social awkwardness can look like seriousness too. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. <laughs> True, I wouldn't know anything about that. So. Yeah. Oh, I can jump into any conversation and, and be totally fine. I've never had social awkwardness. Now, I did grow up in a very Christian home, and it was very serious, and we had to be, like, on top of everything all the time. But when I hit college, that was gone. Mm. I was no longer the serious person anymore. <laughs> that's awesome. It's awesome to be comfortable, though. That's, that's, a, that's a gift. It is. It really is. Yeah, especially doing this, right? You know who has that gift is Chase. Chase is this. He can jump into any conversation and make anyone feel comfortable anytime. That's why I like bringing him to shows. Yeah, I'm trying to talk him into coming on the show. Yeah, you should. Yeah, he's, he's a good like, but I'm performer. boring. I don't have anything to talk about. And I was like, oh, yes, you do. Like Everybody does. If you dig under the surface, everybody has got something yeah. to talk about. It's like we've all got sure. something to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so you you actually have a pretty big collection outside of ball pythons of different reptiles. Like, what are some of those that you keep? Yeah, not a lot. Just a few. Um, I have the the uh, Bolins pythons, which are now just almost you know small adults, which are amazing. Um, I have some um, some geckos. That I got from Carl um, that are awesome yeah. and they're very awesome and uh yeah some leeches and then um I, the coolest animal I think I have that that's kind of weird is I have some uh, cape file snakes and oh, I love you don't see them. very many of those yeah I love them they're super cool and they most are people, unfortunately all, most people only get to see like ones that are imported and you know unfortunately aren't doing very well etc but 
I picked up a pair when I was in South Africa a few years ago that is captive bred and they are amazing and they're weirdest they're so weird you know to touch and yeah. feel and yeah and uh, they're, they're like a a better dragon snake yes and they're, they're easy easier like they're so right, much easier yes. right Especially yeah um, red ones yeah our friend maria like she's she's got uh i want to say she's got like three like two females and a male so we're we're actually working on a project and gonna try to breed them so but I, I, I love them. Mine. They're beautiful. And they just yes. they just feel cool. So Yes, they're just kind of squirrely. They're squirmy snakes. Like yeah. there's like you know, they don't ever bite. They might have never tried to bite me, but I get in my hands. I, I found the only way to hold them. Sometimes I'll settle down a little bit, but for the most part, they're just trying to hide their head. And they're trying so desperately to hide their head that they're just squirming everywhere. So I usually will take their head and just put it against my chest and just hold their head and then you can touch their body all you want, as long as they feel like they're not being, you know, as long as they can't see you kind of thing. It's me. Uh, like yeah. ostrich. Stick your head yeah. in, stick your head right. in the same. They do They're that fine. all the time. I'm gonna feel so good when he finally gets some eggs from those in a few years. That's just been kind of a little dream of mine to to make that's some pretty awesome. Cape file babies. Yeah. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah, but I used to have tons and tons of species that I worked with prior to ball pythons, but when the ball pythons really started, um I kind of made a conscious decision. I thought, you know, for me. I'm, I'm very singular focused. I have, I'm not that good at like jumping between different things. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, if I'm going to do this really, really well, I'm going to need to not take away all these distractions. So there's, there was several years there where I had nothing but ball pythons and, and I'm like the sink or swim, do the best I can with these and become the most knowledgeable about these as opposed to being medium knowledgeable about a bunch of things. Yeah. And, um, now, now I'm starting to branch out and breathe a little bit and look at other stuff again. Yeah, I mean, even just having pets like that, that even if you only have one or two, that's still like, that's a whole other animal's care that you have to learn and, and really understand and just so you can make sure to take care of that one animal. So I don't think it's people really think yeah. about that with reptiles. Like, I think they just assume that they're all kept similar and nope. So, yeah, I think we figured yeah. out what I have 12 different species. Yeah. That's at my house yeah <laughs> way too many for me that's hard especially if you're trying that's to be successful hard. with producing any of them um yeah. because they all re require different things and you have to keep all their different schedules in your head mm -hmm. and know one thing they want one thing then do something else and you know we run here at the facility we run things very very regimented we have schedules for everything so nothing gets yeah. false through the cracks because we have too many people things will fall yeah. through the cracks if we don't schedule it so Scheduling those other species is always a little weird, you know, and, but they're on there. Um, yeah. Luckily it's like a bunch of colubrids and there's some boas and ball pythons. And then I have like some bearded dragons and skinks and whatnot. But uh, some of that is not, is just a pet. And then the rest of it does breed. And I've kind of got it all scheduled where everybody can fall in pretty well. Some people are really good at that too. I, I have a buddy locally who, he, he can produce anything and it seems like he just keeps getting more and more species and they just do great for him. And he owes it. He's just juggling it all. I, I can't do that. I just walk into his room and I start feeling stressed. I've got <laughs> that's, that's what I'm, yeah. I would be yeah. so overwhelmed with, yeah, yeah that's, it's that's a lot. So well organized though. So it's very easy to just kind of flow one to another. And then my son, he's very involved in the Clubrid side of it. Cause a lot of those he's purchased himself. He has his own corn snakes, um, milk snakes. 
He's got a couple other things, but I can't remember what else he has. But he's purchased a lot of those with his own money, and he he's got the breeding schedule figured out. We know when we're supposed to pair, and he reminds me on his stuff. That's amazing. <laughs> it's time. Yeah. Yeah, like speaking you like kids involved. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was going to say. Speaking of kiddos, how many kids do you have? We have five. Yes. And are five any children. of them interested in reptiles? Yeah, I've always well, I guess got, how I've old are that they question. First. Yeah, they're, so we have two 13-year-olds. We've adopted two from China, so that's, their ages are a little odd. We have two 13-year-olds, um, 11, 10, and 3. So we have a big, a big jump there between three and like a big gap right there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and then my wife said that we need another one to keep the three-year-old company. So it's just like, how do you have to be, apparently you have to have them in pairs. I, I hear, yeah, so. that's what my parents thought too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's, uh, they, they grew up around the animals. They, they all think they're cool, but it's, there's no novelty to it to them. Like they just assume that other families and parents have, animals in their houses too and they're not special like for me they were like i don't they're taboo they're you you, you yeah. know so so to me they had a cool factor with my kids it's just not that way um they come in it's just 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 as job in a way oh, which yeah, is just kind of kind of sad i want them to geek out a little bit my oldest now he's starting to suddenly get an interest um i've never pushed on it you know i always said i'm, I'm not here to make my family work for me i'm not i'm not their boss and their dad you know kind of thing yeah. And so, but he comes in the evenings and you, I'm in here almost every evening and just kind of working and he'll come and work alongside me. And I've been amazed at how much he's picked up. Like he really, he'll, he'll be able to look in the eggs and he has a really high percentage of guessing what morphs are and stuff like that. And that's just based on him just listening and watching. Yeah. And, uh, he, he's just been around. Up more than you know. It's like, that's really awesome. More than you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, they do. He geeks out about the, uh, the math side of it, you know, like, like, what were the odds on that one? I tell him like one in thirty-two. Like, that's incredible. That's he's, he's a math kid, so yeah. So you, you can bring cool. him in in different ways. Yeah, yeah. I was that, like, he sounds probably, like my kid. Yeah. yeah, it's it's awesome. That's probably our favorite part of it too, just the genetics and the odds and. It's a gambling. It's a gambling addiction, really hidden, hidden yes. in a snake addiction. <laughs> it is one hundred percent. That's true. I haven't yeah, thought I mean, about I, it that way. I, at the end of every season, I mean, my season kind of rolls around all year long now. But when the main part of my clutches stop hatching, I literally go into a depression. I think just my brain's not getting that little chemical input every day with hatching all these awesome combos, and I literally wake up in the morning. Want to run down and see what came up? Or every time you cut a clutch or, or whatever, yep. when you lose that your brain, you realize how addicted your brain really is to it. Oh yeah. And when you're not, and well, the other part of it is when you're not actually experiencing it, you're, you're fantasizing about the next clutch, right? Every time you pair them together, you're thinking about it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it just keeps it going. You're like, when's this one hatching? When's this one hatching? Right, right. Yeah, Jack goes through the same thing. Like he has this like downtime where we don't have any eggs in the incubator and, or the first, kind of the first, real clutch after the season stops and the new season kind of starts mid midway like um he's really in there like constantly excited waiting for that first clutch to hatch like it's driving him crazy the rest of yes. the year like once the first clutch hatches he's fine for the rest of the year he's not like constantly at the incubator but that first oh, I'm, clutch, I'm not like it's every day <laughs> for like, me once hatching? the first one hatches it ignites that that drive and then yeah. it's it's like i mean i really think it's like gambling I'm, i've never i've never gambled but 
But to oh, me, like, fun. I know when I, when I cut a clutch and I get the, an amazing baby that I want, I have this itch to go get another one to like chase the high, right? Yep. Go, go cut, let's go look at another one. Yeah. Um, and, and even if it's a little further out than I'd like to cut, I'm like, ah, the temptation's so high. Or yeah. if I cut a clutch and I don't get what I want, I'm like, well, the next one probably has it. I'm going to, I'm going to like pick up for it. But, you know, it's like that same thing where I've just got to, I got, I'm chasing the high essentially of, of, yep. you know, yeah, it's like I that. Mean, it's, yeah. I mean, in, in a positive, the best positive way, <laughs> right? Like, it's I mean, it's, like it's a good high though. Best. I yeah. mean, you put, you put things together and you're like, you, you're excited that what you want is right. coming out of it or, well, yeah, or something well, that just blows you away. Involved. Right. There is work involved. Right. And in, in, in that way, we're, yeah. we're like gamblers. We're like farmers. We, we plant our crops and we hope for a good harvest. We hope no disasters happen. Right. And, yeah. and that things turn out the way we want. And that in the end, when on that day, we bring it all in and, and, and hatch what we planted, right. What we sowed. So in that way, we're like farmers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I missed so, that um, this year. Oh, I was just saying, I missed that this year. The freeze threw off my entire yeah. collection, and uh -huh. I did not have a breeding season at all this year. So it's you been live like, vicariously. I have been, um, <laughs> especially with those um, gorgeous desert ghost VPI exanthic clowns that were posted recently. <laughs> I was like, oh yes. my God, those are gorgeous. And I was, so I live vicariously through y'all this year and mm. I'm looking forward to pairing again next year. For sure, for sure. That's now that everything's settling down. Mm -hmm. um, Justin, you've been to lots of other people's facilities, I'm guessing. Yes. So do you have any that really stood out? Like ones that were just your favorite visits or the facility itself was just like really awesome. Um, yeah, but a lot, the one that sticks out in my head was one of the first ones I ever went to. I got to go to Pete Call's facility early, early on. And back when I only had like 20 snakes and I walked into Pete Call back and he was the godfather, of course, of <laughs> right? the uh, pies, right? Right. And this was probably 17 years ago-ish and it blown away by the scale and the size and, and the amount of, of pies he had back then and and uh incredible um i've been to wilbank's facility and and that, the scope of that blew me away um that was just a few years ago just the oh, yeah, amount of massive. females and and you know that's it's been like three or four years since i've been there but but mostly i get to visit you know customers i, I have lots of customers whenever i go somewhere i usually have a customer ask me to come over and uh you know check this out and that's and cool. uh you know, of course, I've been to Earl's and, and a few different places. And I just love, honestly, whenever I go into these little either basements or, or side bedroom facilities, whatever, I get like transported to when it, I had the same thing. You know, I can totally relate to it. That's you cool. Know, I, I remember sweeping Aspen chips off the carpet, totally. And uh, that, those were the days. And I, I have a lot of nostalgia for it when I see that. I really do. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So, um, what what was it like when you first started? Because you were like you were a kid when you first. I guess when you first got really got into ball pythons. Like, what was the scene like, and yeah. how did you feel? Like, how did you feel like you fit in? I didn't fit in at all. No. That's for sure. Oh, maybe I didn't. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I did though. I was just like the pimply teenager and I was going to all these shows and I was just amazed by it. But there was all these 
like giants of the industry, you know, people like Barcheck back, you know, and, and uh, Peter Call and Ralph Davis. And I would just, if those people would look at me, I would just make my day. Um, <laughs> How and, does it you know, feel just, to know people think that about you now? Well, I try not to think about that because it's too much pressure. <laughs> I feel an immense amount of pressure when I think about how people, if people look at that way, I, I try to just like let it <clears throat> fall off me. But I also try to be like, give everybody as much um, just attention as I can, because I know what it's like to be ignored by people that you idolize, right? And I don't blame them because they had a lot going on. But but I yeah. try. I try to make every moment I can special as I can, and not. Last thing I want is for is for someone to say, "Man, that Justin, he seems nice, but he's a real jerk," you know, or he didn't give me the time of day. <laughs> I, I I live in fear of that. I just I, I can't imagine someone saying that about you, but. Well, that's because I try so hard. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I've never heard anything bad about you. I mean, no. I haven't got to meet you yet either, but like, I've never heard anything. Yeah, I, I try really hard just to just to be nice, you know, and really nice. And remember, we're all on, all on different journeys. But but back when I got in, it was all about these, you know, there was pinstripes and the first lemon blasts and, you know, bumblebees were $25,000. And, and, and <laughs> we, 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 we never seen a pie combo other than a regular pie, you know, and, and never seen a never seen a clown combo other than a regular clown. And, and that's, that's when I was buying my first animals. It was, it was at that time, which I know some people had already been almost, in almost 10 years at that point, but I was buying, I bought a few regular clowns, a few regular pides, and I bought a spider for $15,000 something like that. And uh, it was just a very different world back then. Everybody was all about, about adult normal females because we all knew that if you could buy a spider ball or a pinstripe or something that were so expensive, mm -hmm. all you had to do is look on Craigslist and find, I was, I was driving out to trailer parks to look at someone's ball python they had on Craigslist just to see, check it and see if it was a girl. Cause if it was a girl and, it, and they'd already grown it up, that was like a gold mine. You could buy yeah. it for, you know, 300, $400 maybe for an adult, normal female and um, bring it to a pinstripe and make a hundred grand. Like that's crazy. Um, isn't that crazy? You yes. can see why we were going out there looking for that. And and no one would sell a dull normal female. Nobody would, um, except for if you found it from the public. And uh, that was just a very, very wild west kind of time. Um, no one knew what this would become. Everybody back then was saying, I don't know, this this may not last. You know, make your money while you can because this, this, is, this is going away. You know, ball pythons aren't going to be a thing in three years. You know, and that was 20 years ago. And uh, so it's, it's, it's amazing that, that it has lasted and it's become what it's become. It's, it's, it's well, wild. and you've been a big part of that though, right? I've gotten to be, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, I would say, I would say early on my, my main contribution was the fact that I, I think I saw earlier than most people that it's going to be about the combos and not about the new morphs because most breeders early on, and I don't blame them because they were they were trained, but find the new morph, you know, whether whether it be out of the wild, you know, mostly codoms, you know, fires and cinnamons and black pastels and yellow bellies and orange dreams, all these went through the cycle of somebody finding it and then just reproducing like hundreds of them. And we'll just just that price would just go shh they find a new morph, shh, new morph, shh. you know what I'm saying? We're just doing yeah. that year after year yeah. after year. 
and financially that was totally made sense. That was the way to do it. Um, but the problem was that I was not very financially savvy. I, I didn't think that way. I, I, I had all these snakes. Um, my uncle had invested in some snakes because I didn't have any money. He, I, I had talked him into investing in a few of these these animals, and I just like I was like I just want to see what they make when they put them together. I want to see what these genes stack mm -hmm. as. And I spent years and years and years when everybody else was making great money, and I had like genetic gold mines on my hands, just yeah. making making combos that people didn't really care about initially because I just wanted to see what they look like, and I wanted to make double hats for these different things. And um, in the end, my um, naivety ended up being what was the answer to the yeah. <laughs> to the long term. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like we, um, yeah. we we talk about that all the time. Like the some of the best ideas people have are because someone because no one ever told them they couldn't. Right. Like if no one ever tells you no that you can't do something, like you're going to try it. <laughs> and so right. it's kind of the same thing. Absolutely. And I tell people that all the time um, on my Patreon or, or elsewhere. People are like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, honestly, the best answer is probably not the one I'm going to give you. The best answer is the one that I don't know about that. You know, I'm the old guard now. I'm I am locked into my ways of thinking about things. I yeah. honestly completely believe that someone could come along with a completely different idea and revolutionize this again. I, I think it's totally possible. Um, and so I really encourage people it's like what, you know, if you have a unique idea, maybe the best thing to do is not get too many people in your head, not, not listen too much and, uh, just, just follow it, you know, follow what you think. Yeah. Stop asking everybody's opinion and just go with what's in your heart. Mm -hmm. I'm right. just do what and you run want with and it. go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a big, um, a block, I guess, that people have when they're starting new businesses and things like that is they're, they're just so afraid to do what's in their heart or so afraid to try something. And, well, they don't want to uh, fail, you know, and I think I think yeah. the fact that I was had a lot of social anxiety and I didn't want to talk to people actually served me well in the end because I didn't ask a lot of questions and I didn't have any great mentors, which maybe would have helped, maybe would have hurt, you know, in the end. And I just kind of went out every night to my little shed behind my house and I just kept putting my snakes together and just making what I thought would look good. and. In the end, that was the answer. That was the best yeah. thing I could have done. Turns out it worked. Um, it's like it yeah. worked out great. So, do you have hobbies other than? Well, the snakes are a business, really. Do you have hobbies? Yeah. I guess. I'm starting to. I'm working on them. You know, <laughs> the snakes were my hobby in yeah. my whole life and every waking moment for so many years. But um, I'm trying to have fun again in other ways and uh distract myself so i've started racing or um racing cars for fun that's um really cool. that's cool <laughs> yeah i i bought a, a fast my first fast car um a couple years ago um and and then i had a friend who was really into you know going out and tracking going on track you know renting tra racetracks and going out and he got me into it and it's just like any other hobby it's totally addicting um and it's expensive enough that makes you want to go back to work at the end so just to pay for it. So it's, <laughs> yep. it's, it's a yeah, lot that's of nice fun. To have a job. It's like, that's yes. an expensive hobby. You have to, yes. have to keep a job. So pay yeah. for all the things. But so I, you, I, I go out about once a month. You know, once a month I'll go out on a track day and just spend eight hours just 
trying to improve my lap time by a tenth of a second, you know, or so. And it's it's That's just so really much cool. fun. Yeah, it's totally. Yeah. What I love about it is that when you're in the car and you're you're going flat out, there's no distractions. It's it's that complete focus. I guess it's like a lot of sports <laughs> where you're just completely yeah. focused in that moment, and there's no there's no phones, there's no customers, there's no family. There's just don't die and get around the <laughs> right? Little, one little mistake is so costly that oh, right? you just yes. are just laser focused. And at the end of the day, it's like, where did that time go? It just, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. It's in, it's like you're in a state of flow for hours at a time. It's great. Yeah, that's when you really know that you've enjoyed something, some activity is that when you turn around and you're like, wait, what? It's been eight hours already? Exactly. I remember yes. I remember having the same sensation when I was um, like I went on excursions on a cruise and I remember having the same sensation like we'd be out a couple of hours snorkeling and stuff and come back and be like, wait, what? It's been that long already. So those are yes. the things you know that you need to go back and do again. Absolutely. I crave those times now. And it, for me, it was that way with the ball pythons a lot. It was. But now we have. A lot of people helping me, and so now it's not. I don't. I I wish I used to be able to clean an entire side of the room, and like the time would just be gone, you know. And I'd just be in, and listen to a podcast or in my head, you know. And now, unfortunately, yeah. I have people who expect to do that. They want their hours, and so I can't. I can't go out there. They, they'd be mad at me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to do other things. For them. Yeah. Yeah. They, That's funny. So. Um. So you're stand up. You do stand up. Like kind of as another just hobby once. itch, just yes. once. It was adorable, by the way. I actually watched it <laughs> recent, recently. So, so how? What was that like? So I didn't know I was going to do it until I got there. Um, it was just open mic, and I got yeah. there with some friends. It's my first time to a comedy club at all. I've always loved comedy, but never been part of it or you know gone to the gone to a club or anything for it. So. Um, People always always said I was I'm, just, I'm a jokester in private. If, if you know me very well, I, I tend to make lots of jokes, and most of them are not very appropriate to the moment. I'd like to say things that are just like, yeah, my wife rolls her eyes all the time. I, I get in this moment where I think, if in some situation, I think, what's the worst thing that could happen right now? And then I think that would be hilarious. And then I'm just so tempted to say, I'm so tempted to say the thing that pops in my head, like the worst possible thing I could possibly say in this moment, just to make everyone feel awkward. But I find it so funny that I just want to share it with everybody. But then they don't think it's funny at all. They think it's awkward, just like it actually is. It actually is awkward. And and so I get, I get caught in that a lot. Um, as a kid, I told tons of jokes and just was a, I was a, I was a ham. I loved singing in front of people and talking. And, um so anyhow we got to the club and that night and um it was open mic night we didn't know and they're like you should go up you should do it you should just go up and tell some jokes they knew i they know i tell jokes yeah so i literally was like just thinking in my head the whole time everybody, everybody else was going on they're waiting for them to call my name i'm like just thinking of what i'm going to say and it was just <laughs> it was an amazing experience i i really loved it i wanted to do it again for sure that's really cool i was like that's awesome yeah. I was, yeah, I was like, fun. Justin has this way of like, like there's innuendos, but they're like kind of far removed innuendos. So it's not like in yeah. your face. I was cracking up. I was like, this is the best. That's my style. <laughs> I like to tell jokes as if they're not a joke. But the problem is, is that a lot of times people don't know I'm joking. And so it, it really gets lost. And then yeah. I'm like, well, that was a complete waste. You know, <laughs> no, everybody just thinks I'm weird. Everybody just thinks I'm weird now. And I just say weird things. But it's actually funny, I thought. But, yeah. 
Well, I'll have to keep that in mind when mm -hmm. I talk to you in person. I was say, I will pay better attention when we uh, are talking in person. <laughs> uh, good stuff. I want, I want to do it again. I tried to do it again, but they were they were closed for COVID last time I went up there to do it. The next open mic night. So mm -hmm. still plan to, though. Yeah. That's great. So traveling, what other traveling have you done? Well, you've obviously been to China a couple Twice, of times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, three times actually went there for business once too. I love traveling. It's one of my favorite things, big time. Um, I just love going to a new place and just experiencing it. I want to do everything the way they do it. And just, just, you know, I don't know. I don't have a lot of barriers as far as like what I'll eat or try or, you know, do oh, in a place. I have some so. with food, like stuff I'm going to eat, but I probably should have it more. Me. If I can, if I can tolerate the smell of it, I might try it. That Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. Yeah, it's yeah. like I could never have been on Fear Factor because I would nope. never have done that. <laughs> like I would have done all, I'm afraid of heights and I'm not going to eat anything. <laughs> I think the way to go on Fear Factor is that on the intake interview, you tell them all things that you're very afraid of, but they're actually not. Like you make up all your phobias, but things you're actually, like, see, I'm terrified like snakes. of snakes. <laughs> terrified of snakes. snakes. And then you just pretend like you are freaking out when they introduce those things. I think that's the way through. I think that's my, that's my plan if I'm ever on it. I was like, and you're secretly having the time of your life playing with all of it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll eat pig hearts. No, I don't think anything of that. No, just don't, don't show me any snakes. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have fears? Like, um, well, I, I'm terrified of spiders, but I have a tarantula. That makes no sense. But I did it See, to I'm, try to get over my fear of tarantulas. I have I have come to have a fear of tarantulas, actually. You didn't um, have as a kid. I didn't. As a kid, I had them as pets. I would catch them on the road and uh, and just you know collect them and hold them all the time. And somehow, <laughs> between being a kid and now, suddenly, I don't want. I do not want one of those on me. No. I don't know why. It, it terrifies me. People ask me all the time. They're like, why do you have one? And I'm like, well, she's in her little box and she doesn't yeah, I don't, want to be held anyway. So, yeah. I don't, to me, I just like, they're going to sink their teeth to me any second. I, 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 I see that's how people feel about snakes. I, I see I that's know. how they feel. They just think they're just going to fly across the room and land on your neck yeah. or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. My, my mother in law is terrified of the snakes and she's fine. She's okay ish looking at them if she can't see their heads. Like she always wants me to like oh. crop their heads off in pictures. <laughs> <laughs> crop their heads off? Yes. Terrible. Because it has something to do with their, their heads and their faces. Little That's part of that little Creepy off. little tongue. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's like, it's looking at me. I think I'm sorry. I got that at One Thanksgiving the because there's those three four foot enclosures right behind my dining room table and they've got uh, two doom rolls and then a uh, uh, my motley boa in one of them and the motley boa like picked her head up and was peeking over the edge and like staring down at who was ever on the end and then somebody said you need to turn around and this person is not like excited about the snakes but doesn't really care about him jumped up almost knocked the whole table like sideways <laughs> a little bit because they were like oh it's looking at me <laughs> i'm like it can't hurt you it's in its enclosure you're good <laughs> that's funny you that's hilarious. You should, you should give a little plate of rats so they can eat with you guys. I know, right? Well, and the biggest one that's sitting in there, she's a big doom rolls that's almost um, eight foot long and 35 pounds. 
Wow, that's that's as big as they get, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Because the rest of mine are all smaller. The rest of my doomers are smaller than that. Uh, full grown, they're like six feet. Uh, right. But she's def been, been the biggest so far out of all of them. I think doomers are awesome. They're underrated. They, they get are. they get a bad rap compared to the boas, but they're just cool looking. They're cool and they're super calm. Like I've never yeah. had any problems with any of the ones I have, and I have from the big one to a, a hatchling that's about almost a year old. But I also went from one to six in a period of, I think, three months because I fell in love with them and thought they were amazing. And now I can't wait to breed them. It, I don't see people breeding them much. I assume pe some people do, but I just don't see it out there. I don't see babies like recently. Before. Let's see the last Beaumont show of the year. There was some doom rolls and I haven't really seen any other than that than the ones I got. And all the ones I got, uh, minus two of them were full grown. The other ones are, uh, one's almost a year and one's almost two years, but the rest of them are about four years old. Hmm. So I luck lucked out and got some adults. Right. Did you guys breed rodents too? I do. I do rats and ASF. We yeah. sort of do. We really just have a room that holds them. We just don't have enough space. Like someday sure. we will have more space. That would that would help a lot. <laughs> yes. Right. For sure. Rodents are fun. They're fun. I got a, I got a lot of trouble for a YouTube video I did about rodents a few years back where people, I, I was doing a video, it's, it's, it's one of my first facilities. I did a little video about feeding your snakes different sizes, one of the original pro, JKR pro tips and Somehow in one of the videos, I took a little pup and I was showing the pup and it, the camera and I tossed it back to its litter. Like it went about, about that far, like just tossed it <laughs> and it landed right on the pile of babies, you know, soft as, soft as snow, you know? And, yeah. But I got blown up on YouTube and somehow wow. this, my video got posted on a lat, rat lovers forum. Apparently they have their own forums too. Okay. Um, and so I was getting like 300 negative comments a day on this video because they wow. said go spam this guy he's a you know he's feeding all these rats these snakes you know go spam him and one person right well just not their <laughs> beloved rats you know um so there's a couple of really gold comments one of them was jkr stands for justin killing rats that's what they said <laughs> i wanted to make a t-shirt of that i want to make a t-shirt of that Yes. Um, and then the other one was, it's definitely a rat lover. She said, how could you feed these adorable, intelligent, amazing animals to those ucky, ucky, icky, horrible snakes? And I thought, well, that isn't that hypocrisy at its finest? Because yes. you think you think that a rat lover would understand the plight of a misunderstood animal yes. more than anyone else. Like no exactly. one, no one agrees with that no. rats are amazing. But they love them, so they should understand that somebody could possibly love another unlovable animal. But yeah. no, there was she had no insight into that whatsoever. It just thought it was the wow. funniest thing. Well, in a way, I'm kind of glad. Like, like I don't want to see these rats that like will do little tricks and stuff for for trees. I don't. I want to see that. We feel yeah. terrible about what we do. I've actually watched some of this. <laughs> like, there was a there was a girl on on YouTube for a while that her her she taught her rats to tie she, to untie her shoes. She taught them to play basketball. Whoa. They bring little toys to her. Like they play fetch. Ooh, that makes you feel bad. 
that makes me feel so bad. But I mean, they're funny and they have great antics when they're trying to get things figured out, but it's still just my snake's food. <laughs> so my buddy up here that lives, it's, he owns Mice Direct, which is one of the biggest producers here in the southeast of rodents. Yeah. Um, he produces literally tens of thousands a week of rodents. And he had a guy come up from Atlanta and pick out two rodents for a movie set right because because just picked them up well these two rodents ended up being the rodents that were in the um marvel video and in infinity war you know the rodent that let ant-man out yes. of the out of his cage that set the whole yes. thing in motion that yep. was a rodent from my buddy up here that's and awesome then the rodent in the latest um oh what is it what's the other what's the other universe not marvel but uh, dc the the latest movie they had, they had a rat, a rat in, they had an even bigger role. Um, the... Oh, I can't, I don't know, I can't think of the name. The Spider-Verse? The new Spider-Verse? No, 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 the week before that. It was the one with all the uh, the bad guys that, um, like Harley Quinn and the Joker and everyone, they all joined together. Suicide Squad. Yeah, Suicide Squad 2, I think, had this okay. rat in gotcha. it. It's like a main character. Yep. Both these rats were both gotten at the same time up here and literally especially the one that that was in the suicide squad he was on the red carpet his name was his name is crisp rat like chris pratt but chris rat <laughs> yes and he was literally on the shoulder of this actress on red carpet in hollywood for the premiere and i'm thinking this guy came up and he out of a hundred hundred rats he grabbed two and those rats like lived a very different life than their comrades. <laughs> yeah, the like, they lived their best life. Oh my god! Oh my! The the swing of of the other rodents' life to these rodents' life it could not be more more that's different. That's To me, that's just the funniest thing. Like, just the moment, like the guy just like the rat just like scooted over just slightly and picked <laughs> up and said, "The other one." Like, what a, what a He's like pushing his buddy out of the way. Right, that's Hollywood funny. star, snake food. There's no in between. Apparently. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. So life is not just crazy for people. It's crazy for animals too. Apparently. Apparently uh, luck has a bigger, a bigger role than we know. Yeah. That's huh. insane. <laughs> yeah. The only rats I ever know that people are always wanting seem to be those hairless ones. And for a long time I had a few and anytime I had babies, I swear I would be getting phone calls. Hey, you have any hairless rats for sale? Just had some babies. Let me get them weaned. I can't. Yes. I can't do hairless animals. I can't do scaleless reptiles. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't like the scaleless ball python. Like, I don't like any of them. I don't know why. Like that. I like That's them as reptiles. Cool. I like them to have scales. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I expect them to show up. They just, we have just weird for them. We have two scaleless corn snakes that Logan's bought. Uh, the male's name is Oscar Meyer Wiener, and I'm sure you can figure out why. And he's like, Mom, what do I name the girl one? I'm like, uh -oh. I don't know. I was like, you can't name her what you're thinking. Right, whatever it is, not that. <laughs> uh, her name ended up uh, being, uh, I named her Nookie. Because <laughs> in the end, it's go. all for that the works. Nookie. <laughs> Nookie and Oscar Meyer Wiener. So that's our that's our scaleless corn snakes. <laughs> I think if I had a scaleless one, it would be a corn snake. I don't. I've never had a scaleless ball python. As cool as they are, I just I don't know. It just doesn't feel doesn't feel right to me in the same way. 
All right, Justin. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with you? Sure. Um, just check me out online with Canova. It's easier. I don't have to spell it anymore like Kabelka. So check out Canova <laughs> online, all, all different platforms. And uh, appreciate you guys having me on. It was a fantastic time. And it's great you. To, get to talk to both of you, get to, get, get to know you a little bit, Rachel. And, it was uh, good to get to know you too. Yeah. Well, I see you both in Arlington. Yes. Hopefully we've never been before. And I think we're going to try to come in for it. So we, we've got some surprises at Arlington. So that we're pretty excited really? about. So yeah. Well, I look forward yeah. to that. So have to stay tuned. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. Thanks. Thank you, have Justin. You, you too. too. All right, guys. That was Justin with Canova. And uh, this is in blue. I'm Heidi. And I'm Rachel. Thank you guys very much. And we'll catch you next time. Bye guys.